Hello and welcome to episode number 329 of the Armin Show podcast. This one's in person. Can you tell? I believe so. I have guests here. These guests, let me tell you the backstory here. Can you believe it? California surfishing duo, Gary Kazazian, Casper Kazazian, episodes 3, 141, 172, 8, 58, me, all of them. Combo, trifecta here. Welcome to the show, guys. Hey, man, how's it going? Good. Hey, I, I've missed being on the show. You're back in like 270 episodes later. You're, you're, you're on a roll. Thank you. This is a cool one. This is in person. We have a table. This is official. Glad to have you all on here. Subscribe to those things. Leave a rating. Whatever it might be. How cool is this? Now, we're going to focus on a few things on this one. Okay? California surf fishing duo. Right. You guys. This is Gary. Gary. Gary, because we're twins. We're right. twins. Just in case, yeah, we probably don't look. I don't know if people think we look, but we're twins, and uh, we go fishing together. I'm Casper Kazazian. I just realized. Have you guys been on an episode together? I don't before? think so. No. no. How funny is that? Can't plan these things. That's not pretty, not just on. Have we been on? Uh, have we ever been interviewed together? I don't think we've ever been on camera together before. Ever. This is new. This is new. Think. Glad to have you guys on here. So, you're California surf fishing on the internet yes before we get into the book that has come out recently what is that who started how did it start what's the team what's it about can i take this yeah yeah go for it okay <laughs> cal I'll, I'll try and make it kind of short because it can go really long we started fishing when we were kids in lebanon yeah uh five six years old with our dad and with our uncle and our grandpa uh, we moved to the u.s when we were 13 we Stopped fishing for a while, and then in our, uh, we we casually fished on the on the sport boats uh, in our early twenties when we were in just college, just like a couple times, just a couple of times, yeah. And then, basically, in our late twenties, we we kind of started getting the bug back again. We started fishing the LA River. We did that for a few years, and then it, uh, 2016, 2017 is when we started fishing the surf here. We started LA. fishing the surf, and then we started catching perch, and then we, from there we went on to bigger fish, like uh, calico bass was, was the next one we started targeting, and we ended up uh, targeting uh, calico bass, sheephead, white sea bass, halibut, rockfish, cabazon, lots of different things, and we kept trying to up our game over the next few years from 2017 till now. So that's so, and then we posted our catches on California Surf Fishing Instagram. So to answer your question, I think that's our, our first. That's where it starts. I think our first post is January two thousand seventeen. It's like a bunch of dead perch. We don't post the dead fish. Yeah, we, we we release like ninety five percent of our fish yeah. now. Yeah. So you release but, your. Yeah, fish. that's how it started. That's cool. That's like five years. Yeah, man. Five years. Yeah, yeah. Half a decade. That's cool. So uh, hardcore that. fishing. <laughs> yeah, hardcore for for those five years. What about before? Was there anything before that or not at all? Books, <laughs> music, uh, uh, books, not music, much fishing. Video games before Lot of the books yeah, and yeah, music. Yeah. Engineering school for like engineering and, and engineering. <laughs> Two engineers. Just throwing that in there. Former. Former. <laughs> of of training. Of training. We also fished uh, in San Diego when we went to UC San Diego after like after once we or twice. Right, we didn't catch anything. We 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 tried targeting mullets. Uh, as the, that, tide, as the tide was changing we by Tory Pines, I remember that we didn't catch anything, but it was, it was an adventure. Yeah, we was, we didn't catch anything back then, but now you know we wrote a book about it. That's true, and that's why we're here. Darn right, that's part of the reasoning. Yeah. That's, that's part of it, also. Yeah, California surf catching. 
What is the thrill regarding catching? Okay, the thrill regarding catching, it's just, it's the hunt, it's the chase, it's the immersion with nature. Uh, you are in that moment while you're fishing. You're, for hours, you're sort of in the moment most of the time. And you're away from the hustle and bustle, and you're figuring out something. It's, it's a skill. You're, you're trying to understand how things work, and as you do it more and more, you get better at it, and that's rewarding. And combined with the immersion in nature, it's, it becomes this wonderful hobby. Yeah, there's, there's a really big physical component just moving around and doing this all the time. But the, the thrill of the bite, it's like a culmination of all the research that you put in to target the fish, uh, the technique that you're doing in the moment, is, and just the adrenaline of having something viscerally heavy on your line. And another component is uh, that we bounce our ideas off of each other. If I was just fishing by myself since 2017, it wouldn't be. I probably wouldn't have the, the same interest. Like a, we amplify the excitement through each other. We amplify like figuring out how to catch them through each other. We bounce the ideas. Yeah, it's 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 a team thing too. And we talk, we talk male camaraderie for sure. Yeah, we don't live together anymore, but we did when we started. Uh, did we? Yeah, yeah we, we did. did. We did. But well, we, we talk a few times a day about fishing. <laughs> we call each other about, we talk about our ideas, and then, you know, when you get that bite, and when you get that fish in, it's, it's just a reward for all that stuff that you're doing before. I should say, it's not just he and I. We've been fishing with a number of guys, and it's always cool to fish with other people, and if you catch a big fish with other people, every, all the guys are in it together. Everybody's losing it, like, oh man, what's going on? Look at that, look at that fish, you know, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, we've had a few good fishing buddies over the years, and it's always... Very fun catching with them. It's fun catching with new people too. Right. What's the fishing community like? How big is it? What part are you guys in it? What's your... The surf connection? fishing community or the fishing community? So I'll just give some numbers on the surf fishing Let's get community. The in. So there are a few big Facebook pages for uh, surf fishing in California. There's the California Surf Anglers one. There's the West West Coast Surf Fishing and California Surf Fishing, which is not affiliated with us. But our good buddy, Vince, runs California Surf Fishing Facebook. So, and those are each like, I don't know, 13,000, 14,000, 15,000 members each, each of those groups. So that, that's, that's sizable, but it's still a niche, right? It's not like a huge mainstream, like, you know, lake fishing across the United States. It's like millions and millions of people. So surf fishing is still a bit of a niche. And uh, our Instagram page, we, you know, we have some followers too. Not as, not as many as 13,000, but you definitely feel there's a little community. You run it to people over and over on the beach. There aren't a ton of people fishing. There's, there's some really hardcore guys that fish almost every day. Uh, there are some guys that fish... There are thousands of casual fishermen. There, yeah, you know, once every few weeks or once every, whenever they're free, like really busy guys. Um, but yeah. Are yeah. you guys yeah. a little bit less hardcore than the more most hardcore you just described? No. I think at one, uh, at one we point... We don't fish every day. At one point <laughs> I was fishing four or five times a week. But that really? was, were we were we ever I fishing think, that I much? Think so when I wasn't when I didn't have that much work going on, I work in education, guys. Um, I was fishing. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a part time gig and I, I spent a lot of time fishing. But now there's too much life stuff. I wish I could fish four or five times. A I will say I've been more hardcore than Casper over the past year, uh, fishing probably three times a week. On that, if I had to guess, three times a week, two or th I'm going to say three. I want to say two, but it's probably three. Yeah, and probably. over the past year. Doing, I was doing research on fishing spots between San Diego to North Santa Barbara, Gaviota. So I fished at a bunch of spots in between, and I live in Los Angeles. 
So that's pretty hardcore to make those drives back and forth every day to try to find the Mecca white sea bass spots or the Mecca halibut spots. Yeah, so that's been a lot of time and dedication and, and research there. Yeah, yeah. We're, but we're up there. I don't know. They're, I guess they're... I'm sure, yeah, there are a few guys, guys that I think that fish every day. Huh. And we're not everyday fishermen at mm. this point. Huh. So we try to fish really smart. We try to fish as smart as we can. You're going smarter. Yeah. Earlier on, it was more like brute force and then over time smarter. Yeah, because you start picking up patterns and then you start realizing, uh, okay, I can apply some of these patterns to maybe some of these new spots or I think they're good because there's a confluence of certain factors. I don't have to fish four days in a row. I can just fish for that two-hour period on that one day where I think it's really going to go down. Yeah. So you can fish smarter like that so after a while. Since we have a lot more knowledge, it's, it's easier to fish smarter. Mm-hmm. We were... When we were fishing four times a week, it was building that knowledge. So we didn't we didn't know when we'd go out there based on the conditions. We we, we had some ideas. We, but we, we didn't, didn't even like know. hook up wind at first when we started. We didn't know yeah. anything. You know, we're just going out there. We didn't. Oh, we go out there. Oh, it's wavy, and then you know we figure out how to do wind, check the wind forecast, the wind surf forecast, and all that stuff. Yeah. So then you learn to. Fish and we didn't smart. know where to fish when it was wavy because certain spots are you know better when it's wavy. Than yeah, not. there's just a lot of a lot of. Uh, Things that we know now that we didn't know before. So when we have a few hours, we can be smarter about where, where we're going and have a much higher likelihood of catching. And certain species, even if I want to fish 24 hours a day, there's a very small time window uh, each day to catch them. So it, it, it's not efficient to fish. But other species, you can fish all day and have a chance. So. Hmm. Yeah. You mentioned a few of the variables. How many different variables are there to take into account? For a good fishing excursion, like there are a lot, hundreds, hundreds. <laughs> no, there, there are a lot. I, I, I just, we'll talk about a few basic ones. We yeah. don't want to get into too much detail. Okay, great. Uh, you know, there's the wind, there's the waves, uh, there's the tide, tide. Uh, water clarity, water clarity. Uh, yeah, just a, a few small ones. Yeah. The structure. Yeah. We'll leave that ambiguous for now. The structure. Structure. Fair. Physical structure. Yeah. Let's say the day is super windy and it's 50 mile per hour winds. Is that bad? You cannot fish. I think even with my 8 ounce sinker, I won't be able to get away with that. Huh. 8 ounces, that's as heavy as I go on my sinker. Oh. 8 ounces, wow. That, I don't even think. Have you ever even fished 8 ounce? That's crazy. Very rarely. Yeah, you can't fish 50 mile. You can fish heavier winds if you have heavier gear. Like you can fish 10, 12 mile per hour winds if you have. The right gear, which we sometimes do, but we try not to fish. But we try not to fish really. It's not comfortable either to fish in that kind of wind. Mm-hmm. Now you cover some of these details in not only your slight descriptions, but in your recent book, California Surf Fishing. This is your book. Why a book? How did that happen? What did you want people to take away from that? Okay, uh, so I'll, I'll start with how that happened before the why, because the how actually kind of led in, into it. Okay. So I was fishing certain spots, and I was taking pictures, I was taking notes, I was writing a bunch of paragraphs in order to, to help me fully form my understanding of what's happening. And then over time, as I, I had like 10 pages of just notes and stuff, I was like, I can kind of just organize this. I feel like I have a sort of decent understanding of what's going on with a bunch of different fish species and how to catch them. So I just started organizing my notes and putting some structure to it and kind of expanding on the ideas like, you know, uh, fill, filling it out. Really, so my brain, how it works, it's more big picture. I get the ideas in there. So I actually spend a lot of time getting into the details and making sure that it reads very coherently, like how to target each species, you know, 
the method step by step. So I, I uh, the book is is uh, and I, it's good to help people. Once I start organizing, I'm like, I think this can really help people catch fish. So. Uh, as, like, you, as you can tell, it's the book is your. Yeah, brain, I wrote. I wrote the book. He wrote the book. But you heavily revised. I revised you know. it. Gave my input. Said, "Hey, this doesn't read well." Said, "Hey, we should move this section up here. I think it would read smoother." And I know there were some. There were some other guys that helped in the re- revision of the book. I don't know if, if you want to give credit to them on this podcast or not. It's up to you. Yeah, yeah. There, there have been a, a few guys, and like like Nick, Nick Jakob, and Jakob, my buddy Jakob. Uh, yeah. Who looked it over before putting the book out and said, "Oh, we should fix this, or this is good." Add this, yeah. So, yeah, I didn't think much about him writing, writing at first. I didn't think it was going to turn into a book, and then why not? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. Like, like I, I think I'm usually a completionist. Once I start something, I tend to finish it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like uh, he's recorded a lot. He's all. He also he's also a musician. He's recorded a lot of songs in the past that just you know he's never released. So I, I thought maybe this is maybe this, maybe this is one of those things as well. So, but no, he he went all in, and I I think it's it's really well written now, and has a lot of useful information. Oh, okay. It's a good point you're bringing up about the ability to take a whole item, and from beginning to to end. Most of the time, people don't end up with a book. Very few books are written, even though we see so many books. That's the ones that are completed. Most are like a half thought, a twelfth thought, and that's it. A paragraph chapter and it never happened right how does the completionist differ from the average individual a little philosophy over here um philosophy well so once i had written a few pages and in my head i looked back at our catches like catching calico bass and sheephead and i thought there's like a different system for catching each one of these species and i thought i think i know these systems relatively well by now so all i have to do is devote the time to, to, to put them, to, to write them down. So in my head, I knew I had it sort of figured out, mm-hmm. sort of. So once I have it figured, it's just a matter of organizing. And then you, you for me, I, I derived a sense of joy as I got further. Like it, it's, for some reason, it's just very pleasing to me to have this like comprehensive document. And uh, the idea of having that document kept me going and helping other people fish. Because we took out a few people to fish and, and showed them some of our ideas that ended up in the book. And help them catch some fish, and that felt really good. And like we can get we can get this out to a bunch of people. It'll be fun. Not not only for me, not only for me to make this document and feel accomplished, but for other people who could really benefit from it. So. Yeah. So you like you love the creation. Yeah, then, I love the create. And then the being able to see the joy on other people's faces, share that joy with them as as they apply some of these things. is, yeah. is also rewarding. I, I wrote most of it during my teaching credential program, which I'm still in, and. Uh, Actually, it ended up being sort of entertaining and relaxing for me at times to get away from the program and work on my own thing, away from it. Uh, very rewarding. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's cool. It's good to relax and find something different from what you're doing, your variety that is your own. That's a cool feature. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll I love say, that. I'll say one thing about I teach. I teach physics and pre-calc. Mm-hmm. And... Sometimes I just need the, the, the like the fishing disconnect, you know. Like when I when I'm too, when I'm too into one thing, uh, it's like my brain and my body are saying, "Hey, do something totally different," and that's you know that's fishing for me. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my therapy. That's that's what I do. I think as humans we each have a, a need for fun, a quota for fun. Fishing yeah. is fun, right? 
We can philosophize about it, which I really like to do. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it is act- it's fun. It's dopamine. There's a bunch of dopamine going on when you catch a fish, when you're casting a lot, endorphins when you're walking miles along the beach. Sometimes you do that depending on what you're t- targeting, like halibut, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it's... it's uh, I think you had... Didn't you have a podcast about nature therapy or something like that, an episode? I've had a couple. Yeah, so there's a nature therapy element, you know, the waves, the water, the mountains behind you. And then when you go back into the other thing, like for you, the teaching credential program, or for me, actually. You have more energy going into it. You have more energy going into it, and you're better at it. You're better at it. Then you would, then if you didn't, if you didn't take that break, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't be as uh, efficient and functional. I agree with that. Huh. I like this concept. Nature is revitalizing in a way, and so whether it's air or the waves crashing or movement, what physical, like which region is the most sore after fishing? Of the body. Yeah. Like what does it most uh, require? Sore. I don't know if they get sore really. I get sore. You get sore? For sure. Yeah, because you, so he mostly does a, a, a heavier form of fishing, so he gets more sore in upper body, I'm guessing? Where? No, no, my legs. Your legs? Yeah, my like boots and thighs and stuff like that. At first, when I when I first started using heavier gear, carrying it around, my arms would get really sore. But then that got used to it. But then going up and down and the beach and sometimes you got have to go up and down elevations with a heavy backpack with a bunch of like four or five five ounce sinkers in there. That. That always gives my legs a workout, and it feels so good when I relax in bed afterwards. It's like I sleep like a baby. When I walk miles on the beach, I kind of get sore. I, I think we used to get really sore when we first started fishing, but it's definitely a workout. Like, mm-hmm. I, I lose weight after I go fishing. I do notice that. It's an activity. Yeah. That's cool. Now, here's something. The book. Somebody gets it. Who would want to get it, and what... Should they be looking to get out of it? Um, I think anybody that wants to catch bigger game fish from the beach should get the book. What are some game fish? Yeah, uh, sheephead, calico bass, rockfish, cabazon, white sea bass, halibut, um, all of those. Uh, there's plenty of other stuff online for catching like perch and sharks and corvinas and croakers. We don't cover any of those. We cover these game fish that I mentioned. Very specific. So, so, and yes, so anybody that's interested in catching those fish should get it. And uh, the book, it's $50, mm-hmm. which is expensive compared to most books. but Or underpriced. Or underpriced. It, I think it's underpriced, but um, people pay, you know, 100 200 even 200 How much was that rod over there? The one behind you? That rod is $80 or $70 or something. I caught some budget rod. I caught most of my, I caught all, almost all my white sea bass and halibut this year on this budget rod. book it, is less than that. The book is less than that. Uh, people easily, will readily spend $200 to hold a fishing rod while I think information and knowledge is worth way more than that but they are apprehensive about spending fifty dollars on, on knowledge it's like this psychological you know phenomenon in people but uh, i think it's it's well worth 50. anyone who wants to learn to catch those big fish from the beach can read it there's a it's it's beginner friendly at first right and then the last you know 20 pages go into oh, all the, the, the details last, the really gets, nerdy it gets stuff really deep, it gets really nerdy it gets it gets really <laughs> so, really intense. so that's my pitch that's really uh what was i going to say yeah, um, yeah. We started on those other fish like the perch, the corbina, and stuff like that. I actually love corbina. They're great. They're Cor- fun to corbina, fish. Corbina, it's a great fish. They get pretty big too. You know, they're a great fish. I think a lot of what all of them are great. It's just what you want. It's what you want. I think what uh, lured us into 
Lure. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't Got pause. It. I didn't pause. Lured us into going for these other fish like cabazon, rockfish, sheephead, calico bass, halibut, white sea bass. Is that a lot of the information for catching these fish from the surf wasn't really out there. And I'd say halibut, it, a lot is, is available on halibut, but there's still stuff that, a little bit that isn't. Yeah. But the other species, there's like, you won't find a, a guide on catching sheephead anywhere. Because I don't really know anybody else who really does it regularly. I like the idea of figuring that out. Yeah, we like the idea of figuring like, it out. Like, I didn't even know it was possible at first, you know? Like, and then, and then and then you get some ideas. You have a rogue catch here and there, and it's like, oh, then I do this, maybe I'll try this. It's sort of like a scientific process in some ways. You have yeah. your theories, you, then you do your testing, you have your theories. And then I'm like, oh, okay, this, this test yielded some results. Let's go deeper into that a little bit. I wanted to bring up an analog, which is same as fishing... I compare it to, I've spoken about it before, socializing with people. It's some of the similar concepts where you go to certain locations that are more apt for it, or it's joyful if that's what you're interested in, or there is uh, times when it's really working out and then there's times when it's not working out. Yeah. There's some shared themes between... Uh, Sometimes it, if you do everything right, it still doesn't work out, but not that often. Right. <laughs> not that often. If you're skilled, it works out quite often. That's a fair point. Yeah, there's analogs to these things. This might be fishing, socialization, somebody, it could be in carpentry. Could be certain types of woods. A lot of a lot of carpenters that a lot of engineers they were into that like woodworking carpentry for some reason. And maybe there's specific times when more high quality wood is coming in or the crew is there. The crew is there, and it's time to work on a project to make a backyard uh, shed. Not bad. <laughs> I like that a lot. There's analogs out here. Yeah, yeah. There are. There really are. What is the biggest challenge in fishing? If you had to describe one. The biggest, let me think about that. Challenge. I know mine. And it's. I think it's a lot of people's biggest challenge. And it's not like a technical thing. It's like certain species, you got to wake up at sunrise to get on them. Oh. Before sunrise, you want to be at the beach at sunrise, and we, we, we live an hour away from the beach, 45 minutes, so we've been just doing, we've been driving back, that's my biggest challenge, like if I've got all this other stuff going on, committing to waking up super early to get to the beach when it's still kind of cold, and, and you know, going for the species you're after. Right. My, my biggest challenge is, uh, is myself, in a sense that I always like trying new things out, like you I try, like try new rigs, new spots, like... It's an educated guess. I'm not just randomly doing things, but I'll have things that work that I know work, and I can do over and over again. Like certain spots with certain rigs, or certain you know certain conditions and whatnot. I can do that over and over again. I just love trying new things out. When you try new things out, it doesn't always come off, but sometimes it does. And these were all new things to be at, at first. All these techniques they were they were new to begin with. So yeah, challenge for me is to balance like the the tried and true. I know I'm going to catch some fish. Versus, hey, maybe long term, if I, long term, I'll, maybe I'll catch more fish if I try new things out. But maybe today, I won't catch much because it's. it's I would say you definitely err more on the side of always trying new things. I'll try new. I like to try more new spots than you. I'll go everywhere to try to find like the best, what I consider to be the best structure, right, or the best spots. But you'll try more new fishing methods. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. One thing that comes to mind is, uh, were there any difficulties, like you went to certain places and fishing was not applicable there, or has that already been 
phased out. No, it happens. It happens. Uh, so uh, water clarity is, is what I'm going to talk about. Water visibility. Most of the time, you want pretty clear water. You want pretty blue clear water, right? And on surfline.com, you have cameras where you can look at each spot. But you don't have cameras for all the spots. So you can look at a camera and see, oh, the water is pretty clear here. But the spot you want to go to might be 5, 10 miles away. And then you get to your spot and there's like one inch of visibility. The water is milk chocolate. There's no like fail-proof method of making sure that the water has the right visibility. So sometimes you'll get to a spot and it doesn't have the right look. So you have to adapt. Like, okay, well, we know the tide. What can we do? Can we find a nearby spot? Can we somehow try to work this? You have to try to adapt. I, I, I don't know if this answers your question, but there are certain stretches of beach no matter what the conditions are we never touch them because the structure isn't right for what we wanted to hmm. so there's certain beaches that we just totally avoid huh. yeah yeah and then true. in the book it'll it'll, it'll tell you why <laughs> <laughs> but you're not going to tell us right now no inside information the secret spot is canada joke oh so it's about secret spots we don't have secret spots in the book. There are only spots that are given to help you understand our approach and our methodology. If I don't give any spots and and explain why the spots are good, then you will have no idea Bigger how to picture. find your own spots. So you do need a few spots. The, the book, if you're looking for like the secret spots, the best fishing spots it's for each... Canada. It, it's Canada. It's Canada. It, it doesn't have that. It, does, it has a few spots uh, and it tells you what species for each spot but the best spots or my my best spots might not be your best spots but the method it's all about method it's all about big picture really the best spots are in our heart now here's a question for you guys in the category of game fish that you have described what are some examples of good catches for the fish okay in our look in our surf waters i'll just go species by species what what I would consider, like if I were to go out today and I were to catch this fish, uh, I would be happy with it. So sheephead, I've, I won't say, I've caught, I've caught up to 25 inches, but if I catch a 20 plus inch sheephead, when I go fishing for sheephead, it's I'm a good day. That's, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, calico bass, if I catch 20 inch for me, 20 calico, inch for you, 20. So last year was a crazy year for calico bass. Last year was nuts. So 20 inch ended up being like a decent calico bass. Last year or the year before? Oh, it was the year before now. Yeah, that's right. We're 2022. Yeah, yeah. The year before was a crazy year for calicos. But we haven't really been... We haven't targeted them. We haven't been targeting them. So we've been, you've been targeting sheephead. I've been targeting sea bass and halibut mostly. Yeah, calico. I was going to say 19 for calico. 19 inch. But uh, rockfish, 16, 17 inches. Uh, they get pretty fat at that size. Cabazon... Around there, 16, 17 inches is, is pretty good. Um, let's see what else. White, white sea bass legal. Because yeah, we, legal we, white sea bass. We've caught, you know, we've, we've caught like seven short what, sea bass. What's the legal size? At 28 inches. Yeah. We've caught like, schoolies are fun too for white sea bass, but even how, both of them legal, legal size. Halibut, 22 inches, and white sea bass, 28. For me, yeah. that's what I aim for yeah. when I'm out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that, that would be considered like I'm happy with the day if I caught if we caught of that size for each species. I mean, you still catch, we've been talking about like five or six different species, but you'll still catch like the occasional croaker, black croaker, opali, uh, rubber lip perch, leopard shark. That big elephant croaker I caught too. Oh yeah, that yellow. That was crazy. Was yeah. That was like a 
22 inches? Yeah, almost. 21 and a half 20, or something. 20, yeah, that was crazy. So, like, sometimes you catch something outside of your target species that makes you really happy because it's, like, exceptionally large. That was, like, large. almost world record levels. Like, that was crazy. Yeah. But we, but the bite was good, so we kept fishing that day instead of going and, like, getting it officially measured to get a world record on it. Hmm. In hindsight, I don't know if that was very smart. I don't know. I don't even know how to get it measured. I, I, I think if we go to Wiley's, uh, right, on the PCH, I think they might measure. I don't know. So the people want to know, how have you guys improved over the years? Um, a lot of reading. A lot of reading, a lot of fishing. And we could say exactly what we've learned. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's related to tide. It's related to, to the surf. It's related to the wind. Uh, it's related to uh, the structure, the reef structure mm -hmm. underwater. A big area of improvement for me, and I know for you as well. A technique too, right? A the technique, technique. Casting, casting technique. and reeling in and... The kinesthetic element. You, you forget about that until you bring new, newer people out and then you see that, hey, well, this is actually something that's developed over the years and uh, takes some time to, to refine that physical technique about things yeah casting efficiently not hurting yourself while casting casting far if needed sometimes you do so another way i've improved sometimes before i go to sleep at night i'll just meditate on fishing techniques i'll just think about different spots and now you do that i still do that yeah. okay I, i've been i do that i've been doing that for years so what's the improvement oh that's that's one way that the ideas come to me process oh i see i see yeah mm -hmm. That's good. Keep me in your mind. I try to, to have a like my mind blink before I sleep, but uh, mm -hmm. I don't sleep if my mind is thinking about stuff <laughs> before I go to sleep. That's that doesn't work for me. That's funny. That's a fair point. The more we think about something, the better we get because we're doing work elsewhere, and sometimes we might want a space of not thinking about it. And yeah, that's good too. Yeah. Refreshment. Yeah. yeah. Like if my mind is is overloaded, I'm not gonna. Like right. if I've had a busy or stressful day, I'm not going to be thinking fishing techniques. But if I have the capacity for it, why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have to link it back to the socializing once again. There is something great about like, oh, how did that go with that person? What happened? Was it good? You write things. You're talking about like socializing with, with people, people in public. Yeah. Public, public. Oh, you have like five experiences a day. If you don't write them out, maybe you forgot about them. But if you write them out, okay, this went well. People like this. They don't like this. They were departing at this point, or this location was better. Once you start to really pin it down in some form, it's functional. And then two weeks later, a month later, boom, time has passed, and now you are skilled in this category of thing. Get them social skills. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a nice feature. You map things out over time. Right. It can be good. Through experiences. And not always experiences. You can also sit back and analyze them thoroughly and be like, okay. There is a component of, one, while mapping things out, there is the component of, does this work? Is this going to catch me for a fish? But there's also the personal component, right? So, like, did yeah. I enjoy this? Like, like, do I enjoy doing this type of fishing more than this type of fishing? So... It's it's also it's like we're always looking to. We've improve. had plenty of arguments, right? Yeah, over, yeah. over like what he would enjoy doing that day versus what I would enjoy doing, and me maybe saying, "Oh, I don't think that's going to catch as many fish." But Casper's like, "Oh, I, but I really think I would enjoy doing this kind of fishing more." So, so when you have a fishing partner, it probably if you're not fighting with your fishing partner, then you're probably not fishing uh, very. Uh, you're not that hardcore about it, probably. 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 
Probably so. Yeah, we've had a few few arguments over uh, ideology, fishing ideology, right on the beach sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and it's not always about oh, I think I'm going to catch more fish than you by doing my thing. It's sometimes I just want to do this thing today. That's what I want. That's what I'll enjoy more. I don't know. Do I word it like that? I want to do this thing. I'll enjoy more. No, no, no. That's what that's no, how you, you say. have your own style. <laughs> well, you think that's how I'm feeling internally? It just comes out differently. Absolutely. Okay. Let there me, you go. Let me grab the attention out of there. We are twins. There, we've got <laughs> twin alliteration. That's true. Alliteration. Now, what does a good fishing day look like? What does a bad fishing day look like? Is, this, is there such a thing as a bad fishing day? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's yeah, such so a thing as a bad. Fishing you don't day. when you don't catch any fish and you're getting slammed by waves as you're wading out and the wind is hitting your face. That's like a, that's an abomination. That's the kind of fishing day you never want to have. I mean, it's. I mean, you're still out on the beach. You it's know, it's still nice. probably better than not fishing. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, you get home and you you'll feel your your body will feel tired and then you'll relax better. But that's as bad as fishing gets when the conditions are bad when you're cold and then you still try to you're miserable. We still try to and the conditions are but bad. But hopefully not often. We don't we don't do and that you're anymore. Doing, you're doing your best. Yeah, we try not to. We're a little too busy. A little too busy for that nowadays. Yeah. Uh, good when fishing is good. Like like remember you asked earlier about what different species uh, like what would be good for each species. You hit that, you, if you're targeting a certain species, like say halibut, you want that legal, 22 inches. That above, 22 and above, you got to, hey, if you got a couple of those, that's great. Like each species, depending on what you're targeting, yeah, like has, that, has goals for them. That day we, I went, mean, out, that would make the day we went out for sea bass last summer. I caught three sea bass and one of them was 33 inches. That was a good day. That's a good day. When you catch a, a that's big... That's a great day. That was a great day. And you lost a, a really big one that day that's too. Good. Maybe two, right? You, you, had, you had a few bites. I had a few bites. One, of them, one, was, one of them was... Your rod was doing this. Oh, that's another thing. When you're not catching how many you've expected to catch. Like, let's say you got hammered by a few big bites. Oh, yeah. It, it turns miserable. It shouldn't, but like... It, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't yeah. call it miserable, but... It, it, you've, had a few, you've had a few big fish on. And you know... And they, and, you, and they come off the hook for one reason or another. Yeah. Right? And you know that if you're you did underperformed. You know that if you did it 100 times, 90, 90 times, you'd be doing better than you're doing right now. Yeah, that's like, a bad thing. The feeling. odds are like, like just... The, the randomness I mean, fishing. it's good that you're getting the bites, right? So how I reframe it is when those days happen, it's good that you're actually figuring out how to get the bites, and that's good. But that you didn't land them, it still it still pings you a little bit. You're like, oh, why? Yeah. It fuels you to come, come it back. It compels you to come back, usually, yeah. to try to make it right. Expectations versus reality. And it can be altered based on that moment. You're like, oh, it's not It's not Is everything against me, universe? Belly. Yeah, you go into the... Sometimes you have these stretches as a fisherman, like... Where you, like for me, I had this stretch where I hooked into like, I would say it felt like five legal halibut within a, like a, a three weeks, two week stretch or something. And I didn't land any of them. Like I'd get them halfway in. You start second guessing your technique. Like, am I doing this right? What am I doing wrong? And it really starts getting into your head. But then you realize if you fish long enough, some of it is just the odds, you know, they average out eventually. So if you, if you do the right thing, eventually you land them. It's like a, if I think of soccer, it's like a striker, like a forward. Yeah. Some, some a forward can go like five, ten matches without any goals, and then he'll get two in one match. Like he just and then he, then he starts getting a bunch of goals, and then he just starts banging them in. Yeah. It's just about some of its mentality, some, some of its, its luck. So yeah, some of its mentality, some of its luck. Some of the odds. Yeah. yeah. Some of its the odds. Yeah. It, 
it's never it's not never linear. The big fish. But you always think about it, right? If you if you lose them, if you lose many in a row, you always start thinking a little bit about your your technique. Yeah, right? you always start second, but you don't want to do it too much. The the longer you've been fishing, the less you're gonna second guess yourself. Yeah. When you first start fishing, I think you start going well. Second guess. Like, did I do everything wrong there? Well, like what? Are what we did fishing I, the right ocean? What did I do right? You know. But uh, yeah, the more you fish, uh, the the less you second guess yourself. I would say. I like that you're bringing up the principles. Who else has principles? You just mentioned soccer striker. Let's not forget past guest Cameron Porter, Major League Soccer striker. He has a principles Check out Cameron page Porter's. on his yeah. website. Still there, incremental.nyc. It's nice to have principles for whatever you do. That's a cool feature. And you really start thinking about these. Soccer is a, is a, is a good comparison because soccer is a go big or go home, kind of like fishing. It's that big fish. Either, either catch the big fish or you lose the big fish, right? There's like no in-between. I caught half a big fish. It's like soccer. You either score a goal or you don't score a goal. So that's a good comparison where like when you don't do it, it can really like get you thinking a little that's, bit. That's true. That's yeah. very binary. Yeah. Did I make it? Did I not? One or zero. Now, you guys are binarily California surf fishing. Why not California on the boat fishing or... Oregon. Also, CaliforniaSurfishing.net. I don't know if we mentioned the website. That's www. Where, that's where you can get the www.CaliforniaSurfishing.net. But uh, why not the boat? I said, let me take a swim. <laughs> if anybody who's listening right now wants to buy us a boat, we'll take it. We'll go boat fishing every once in a while. Always throw out the option. I don't even know if I would, though. I don't like boat fishing. Is that the only other option as well? No, you, you, can can go fish kayak rivers, you can fish the LA River. It's right here if you wanted to. Which we, we used to go do to catch rivers, and, rivers and lakes. You, you can do that. We, we used to drone fish. Mm-hmm. Can't forget about drone fishing before. Or drone crash. Off the beach. Off the beach. It was still off the beach, but it was kind of fun. Yeah. You would have a drone and go out and yeah. drop the bait. Drop off. The exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think I could get into boat fishing, but there, like, there's a real physical component with surf fishing that I like, really like. Like, a, like you know, walking with the heavy weights. Slinging the heavy rods and the heavy sinkers. Four miles walking on the sand. You're walking on the beach, you know, for from sometimes. Sometimes it takes miles to get to your spot on the beach. And then you're wiped after. It's just a good feeling. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I I like being on the ground too. I've had uh, motion sickness experiences on a boat. I know you can take, uh, I think, Dramamine. It's called uh, to prevent motion sickness. But but I've never. I just never really enjoyed it on a boat. Uh, I'll keep it simple. I'll I'll just keep it at that. He caught a huge white sea bass one of his first times on a. On a charter boat in in San Diego. Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) (laughs) But in general, no. I remember one time in Lebanon, uh, we went with my dad's best friend's boat. So Lebanon's on the Mediterranean Sea. And we we took his boat to like the border between Cyprus and Lebanon in, in the Mediterranean. And they were catching fish, but I was puking my guts out from ocean sickness. I, I vomited like seven times and they wouldn't turn around. I just see they my face had purple dots and they wouldn't turn around because they were catching fish. A I'll traumatic tell, experience. Yeah, probably a traumatic experience. And after that, you know, I'm sure the trauma can be reversed with enough fun boat sessions. But it's not the surf fishing. Surf fishing is so fun that it's not something that like I would do. I mean, I would be down. I would be down to go boat fishing every once in a while. I would like you have. You've gone. I haven't gone in years. I haven't been on a boat in years yeah, and years. I've been doing the charter fishing I think. like once a year or something like that. Just, you know, but like with someone like a boat captain or something like that, like like a private kind of thing, that'd be cool, man. That'd be cool. Kayak. 
I'm a little. It's I've tried kayak a few times. I get a little scared. I don't know. I also get motion sickness on that, but obviously. Like I lost a rod once, like one time while launching my kayak by mm-hmm. by the Malibu Pier. I don't know. We just—it's just so much fun surf fishing that like we've may- not, I think we've done it so long that like we've gotten decent at it. So it's just more and more fun every time we maybe, do it. Maybe, maybe who knows if if it starts getting less enjoyable or routine for us, maybe we venture into other things. But it's not there right now. Hmm. Is it is it different? Like from the surf, you throw it, and from a boat, you still throw it, or do you just drop it? Sometimes, sometimes you, you drop it on the boat. Too. Sometimes, sometimes a lot of it. time you drop it. Sometimes you throw it, but you you typically don't throw it. The distance. The distance, like for some of the some of the fish that we target, it's like a hundred yards. You know, like he claims he can <laughs> he claims he can cast a hundred yards. I don't believe I, it. I think it's around eighty yards, which is still very impressive. And my cast is probably sixty yards, my max. With a heavy sinker. No, don't short. With lures, I'd probably do 30 yards. I don't even don't I don't have a good cast. Don't short sell it yourself. Right. <laughs> don't cast far. You do, though. I'm about 100. 100. Using my mug-based calculator, that's 300 feet. Are you throwing 300 feet? Just got to walk 300 steps forward. Um, yeah. That's a distance right there. These distances are huge that you guys throw. 80 up, yards. Up, <laughs> up, up to that range. Yeah. Fair. What have you guys... Has there been any California surf fishing book for you that guided you? Was there any mentor? What has pulled you in the skill category? Or was there nothing and it was just through experience? Uh, uh, I did a few things. Go ahead. There, there was uh, the Fishing Network Surf Fishing Forum. Mm-hmm. I have browsed that thing to no end to try to figure out... Because like, they were catching fish before... Casper and I even started fishing, and there's this huge archive, and I would just go through the archive and try to figure out what they're doing, how they're doing it. We fished with a few experienced fishermen. We've had a few fishing buddies. We've picked up a few things for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember also, like the spear fishing message boards. I would even hit those up and like figure out, like what what the spots were based on. Based on what they were doing, I would watch diving videos online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Malibu, we would look up spots where people were diving, where we were thinking about fishing to yeah. see what the underwater. I mean, we could have gone. We could have gone diving ourselves, but for some reason, we, we don't like to watch videos. We don't like leaving the land. Bookworms. <laughs> uh, there's a uh, Bill Varney's book, The Light Line Revolution. I think you read that, right? I read I, it. I, I read, checked it out. I read the whole thing when I first started surf fishing. That was and that's like supposed to be the best for. Uh, uh, perch and stuff like that. Yeah. And light line fishing. The, the which is, we don't do light line really fishing. Target. I think they, they cover heavy line fishing. I think they cover halibut on there too. They do. With like a Carolina rig or think, something. Yeah. I'm not sure. But yeah, that was cool. I, I don't know too also, many. Also, SC Surf Fishing Forum. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That was the website, right? It's been years. They shut it down a few years ago. Yeah. We, we used to go on there all the time and look at fishing reports. And then we, we'd call each other. Oh, did you see that report that got posted in the forum? Man, how did you catch that? And that was motivation. You see other people catching big fish. You're like, how can? I, how did he do that? Yeah. How can I do that? And then we start trying our own things to catch different species. There are a few that guys haven't caught much of on Instagram that inspired us that we eventually, you know, got to fish with in real life. That, that we'll see their catches. We're like, whoa! I want, you know, that I want. I want that inspiration. <laughs> I want that, and that drives you. Like, if you know it's possible, then you're gonna you're gonna be driven towards it. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Cast and Crank podcast. There were a few episodes there that were based on surf fishing. Those are cool too. I don't know if those were like a major inspiration, but it was cool to listen to other. For me, it was mostly forums as the, as the main. 
especially the first like three years we fished, we barely we just fished together. We barely fished with anybody else. Yeah, it was just us bouncing ideas off each other, and then forums, and then we slowly, I, I guess, as we caught other fish, we ended up bigger fish. We ended up like fishing with other people in the community as we became more public or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And then you learn a little bit from that by fishing with other people. On the internet, there was also analogous to this socializing forums where people would talk about their results and whatnot. It's the same thing. People recording their concepts, what happened, what worked, and if you're interested in it, it's on Reddit. You go and uh, look to. It could be on Reddit. It could be on actual forum page, on somebody's website. And when you have these records, it's like a gold mine because somebody tried something, and then you can pick up on it. One thing you mentioned there, you mentioned light line. You guys do heavy line. We do right. heavy line, yeah. What are the weights of lines? What does this mean? The test line, uh, uh, breaking strength, right? If it's 30 pound, if I'm using 30 pound braid, uh, then uh, it breaks. A force. Uh, a force of 30 pounds will, will cut the line. Whereas light line is more than like 8 pounds. Or Some guys use 2 pounds. Or 2 pounds even, or 5 yeah, pounds. can't even see that stuff. What's the average weight of a fish that you would like to catch that your line would be good enough for? Well, most of the fish are in like the one to two pound range or three pound range, right? It's not that it's not like the fish is thirty pounds. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's uh it's the way that the fish fight that you need the heavy line for. Like you have you have a high chance with certain fish once you hook up on them of them of them getting you snagged up in reef. And if you have uh, low breaking strength on your line when you're trying to pull a fish out of reef, that line is going to snap before you can brute force a fish out. Yeah, it has a lot more to do with not just the weight of the fish, but their ability to exert a certain amount of force pull factor and then their ability to go into structure that could sharp think sharp edges that if your line isn't thick you're using that it'll cut that it'll cut that off so you need a certain thickness in your line and abrasion resistance and then you need to be able to handle the force of the fish as well yeah while our fish don't get any bigger than like 15 20 pounds game fish right we haven't caught any that big uh, I have lost fish because I've used twenty pound line instead of thirty pound line. Why would why would why? everybody not use one hundred pound line? Because you can't cast as far. The the heavier your line gets, the less distance you can get on your cast. It's not only the cast distance. Some fish are line shy. Once, also, some fish are line once shy. the line gets above a certain thickness, they're not gonna want. They're to. not the fish that we target though. Mm. The fish that we target in general are not line shy. We're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> you guys refer to structure and things that are sharp with sharp edges underneath the water yeah tell us this is a youtube type category injuries what kind of injuries have you guys had that were caused by structure my doctor disagrees with me but i think i had a fracture in my left shin i think i believe your doctor <laughs> so i believe i know you his shin was pretty messed up it still is kind of yeah, messed dude, up. It's we don't like, have to get it's it like super phone. indented and like like the bone in my left shin i feel like it's growing in one direction and on top of it it's growing in another direction Sometimes it feels weird when the, the, you know, the temperature is cold. We've fallen a lot. Um, I had, remember when I went to the... Uh, when you went to the ER. I was fishing a remote beach, which was a mile and a half from the nearest, you know, from our car, from our nearest access. And I was, I was new at lures. So I was, I, I got, I was well retrieving. I pulled it out of a snag or something and the lure went into my leg and the, the treble hook was in my leg. So I had to walk like a mile, mile and a half back to my car. Now I know how to get, like, how to cut the treble hook and pull it out myself. Oh, you do? Yeah, after the incident, I figured it out. I mean, I looked it up. I haven't actually tried it, but I, I kind of know how to do it. But, yeah, I went to the ER for that. Uh, 
You've fallen a few times. Well, like, I've fallen. If you hit your head on the rock when you fall, that could be bad. Yeah, that hasn't happened. But we've definitely got plenty of scrapes on our legs. Yeah, my, my, legs, my legs and my ankles and stuff, they're all marked up. I got stung by a ray. Yeah. It wasn't a big ray, so I kept fishing. Yeah. What happens when you get stung by a ray? It hurts. It really hurts. Hopefully it doesn't get your artery or anything. Yeah, it was just under my foot. Oh. Actually, no, it was to the side of my foot. Yeah. Oh. This is a... It's not an electric ray. This is a... No, no, no. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a barbed ray. A non-electric ray. Barbed the barb. Okay. Yeah. It's almost like you got hooked. It's, it just cuts it. It, cuts, it, it slices and dices. Oh. The ray. It's a slice and dice. For some reason, some of those beaches in San Diego were loaded with them. Santa Barbara too. Yeah. We've... Uh, we talk about most of the fish that we catch are 15, 20 pounds. We've caught like 100 pound rays, bat rays. That, that, yeah, all our fish are less than 15 pounds, the game fish that we've caught. That, that, the fish that we, that we care about. No fish that we care like about. We've caught we've, the rays that we've are. We've caught some rays and sharks like unintentionally that, that are very large. Much bigger, but. Like 50 pounds or whatever. Hmm. But we don't target those. Yeah. When this kind of fishing happens, is there usually many people in an area, or is this the type of fishing that is like isolated? You do not. How often have we had to like fight for a spot with another fisherman, or see, or even see another fisherman? It's not that common, right? Yeah, it's pretty. It's more uh, divers and surfers than than other fishermen. I would say that we contend with, right? I'd say that's true. Yeah, and most of the spots that we go to, it's more divers and surfers than other fishermen. Mm. Uh, But but there are certain spots. There's certain spots that where like everybody fishes and. They tend to not be the most productive spots. They can be at times. They too. can be at times, yeah. When I fish in San Diego, it seems like they have way more people fishing the beach over there than like Malibu, which is where we usually fish, I'd say. So yeah, if I were to live in San Diego, I, I think I would be contending with other fishermen. Uh, but here it doesn't seem to happen too often. Hmm. In uh, Rancho Palos Verdes. Great spot. And Palos Verdes Estates. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite cove there? Do you know the names of the coves? I like the city, <laughs> and also there's a Lunata Bay. Lunata Bay. Look at that. It's like a... Yeah, yeah. I, yes. I, I will Kirk. say about those spots, it's a heck of a walk going up and down those cliffs sometimes. Yes, it is. Yeah, so no, those, are, those are crazy hikes. So you're not going to see a ton of people fishing down there. I mean, Random people hiker. still do it, even though it's even though it's in a relatively populous area by San Pedro and Torrance or whatever. Um that the walk thing weeds out a certain number of people so a lot of times yeah any spot that you have to walk a a certain distance or the walk is difficult you weed out i'd say 90 percent of fishermen they're not willing to do it yeah if they're if you're looking for a relaxing fishing experience like a, a mile and a half walk to get to a spot isn't even in like somebody's radar that walk you're describing is the organic chemistry of medical school because in, in each category there's a thing there's a thing that cuts away 85% of people trying right, to do that right, thing right, right. they're like I'm yeah, not doing nobody that. organic chemistry was, was terrible That's right? the weed out class yeah never um, took it didn't weed you out though did it well if I had I gone did. in that trajectory <laughs> but did, did you take organic chemistry yes in college? you did okay great stuff but I wasn't inclined towards that category. Right. But if I was, then it would not have weeded me out. But some other people would have said, I'm done with these chlorofluorocarbons, or whatever it might be, yeah. that have carbon in them. And then they wouldn't continue in the category. I'm done with this treacherous reef. Chlorofluorocarbon? CFCs. 
fluorocarbon is the most expensive type of fishing line. Everything connects in this life. Kind of like lines Fuck. would connect if they intertwine. Gold label fluorocarbon. Very why expensive. is it the most expensive? Gold label, why that, is that? Because it's see-through, apparently. The fish can't see it. That's, 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 that's what the they say. That's what they say. And then there's some abrasion resistance and stretch qualities and memory. Like if you pull it, it was going to maintain the shape or not. There's some things like that, too. Just because it's more expensive doesn't inherently mean it's better for your application, though. It just... Yes, this is true. Just depends what you need. There are a lot of bigger picture themes showing up here that apply elsewhere, not just to fishing, which is described here, and it's an area of mastery, if you will. When you go into a category, there's an area of mastery for fishing. Then it's for XYZ, ABC. Same thing, same rules, completely different category. They don't fish. They might be writers. They might be uh, people who solve equations for physics. Yeah, and any in any area that, that mastery could be achieved, right? Right. I'd say that. Yeah, when you start getting deep enough into something, you just know that some of the, the thoughts you have or the questions that he and I would be conversing about, you just know that other pe other people are not even talking about it. Like you know, there's like a handful of people in the world maybe having these kinds of discussions. And they're all in California. <laughs> they're, they're all in California trying to try to target the same fish that we're catching. It's kind of interesting. It's it's cool. It's really cool. Fishing is cool. <laughs> fishing is cool would you guys say do you know you guys do local surf fishing is there do you know about the conditions Oregon Washington Canada Mexico no coast? not at all nothing at all it's like you know we don't see right. anything outside of our narrow southern California these are the fish we're catching I would love to like move there for a year and to see if our methods are applicable for yeah. other species yeah, you know, like, over like, there like you, you know? would start with our methods and then you'd see if it's applicable and if it's not you'd you'd drift towards what works there yeah it'd you know, be yeah. really cool to see what works you know we have no those idea. kinds of places we can guess but we don't really know we huh. tried it it'd be fun though really fun if i stole that concept and did it before you guys i could make a new website called our methods which would have my methods for things Armin methods and it's combined. Our methods. A R M E T H O D S. Yep. Dot com slash HTTP. Yeah, we'd have to go cease and desist on it. W W So that would be the very the tension is now all of us because of the competition. Now, this is wonderful about the book. This is wonderful about the fishing. I'm gonna turn this one around here, which I do once in a while. What is one question you have for the host? Nobody expects. Why? Why do you keep having me on your pod? I'm just kidding. My question is. And third. It's a question for you, but it comes back to me as always. Great. Can I be your thousandth guest? You can definitely be there when the thousandth show happens. It's gonna be a party, right? Oh, do you? Are you compelled at all to fish after this, or you just want to hang out at the beach? I enjoy hanging out at the beach and have, I will point out, have joined CSF California Surf Fishing on their affectation of the outside. <laughs> and it has been interesting what you would see. This is the ocean. It's calm and whatnot. Out of nowhere, boom, there is a fish or some sort of sea ray octopus. So that is interesting because for the average person running along the beach, 
There's just water that keeps coming. You know, I wonder how much they process. Like, what is happening? Do they think what creature is in the beach? What can, uh, there's so I, many, I so I, many surf I spots. I feel like people in LA don't even know. That, so many surf spots where they, we got the surfers right up there. You just like you know when the surfers aren't there, you cast into it, and they're always not always, but they tend tend to be good spots. Tend to be no, no. That's very. There's a reason the surfers are there too. Yeah, it's the same reason that we're there yeah. sometimes. Sometimes, uh, I actually have a real question for you. Go ahead. Uh, what would you say? Is your analog to fishing for us? Mm-hmm. Socializing. Right? Socializing, you brought it up a few times. Yes. If I would summarize socializing, then I would say that it is people oriented in public, meeting people, getting to know some strangers at first. Strangers, yeah, and always strangers, not online, social but guy. offline. Social guy, that is me. And it has worked so well in many instances. Which this is a good thing for such when you catch after you caught a bunch of fish, you're like, wait a minute, this is like a it was there the whole time and it's uh, worked out. Yeah. After that, you can't not go because you saw what occurred from going. So socializing has worked out quite well. I figured yes, that's what it we, was. we have to. If I go a week without fishing, I, I, I don't think I'm. I'm not, yeah, I, I every every week it would be it's good to fish at least once for me. Yeah. Did you ask Carmen a question? My many, I think. Asked him a few. That's nice. Cool. To the both of you, Gary, with your fourth time being on, Casper, your third time being on, which is almost four. Is he your number one guest all time? He is my not in terms first of quali- guest. In terms of quantity. 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 quality, definitely not. He is a <laughs> good guest at the Harvard people and stuff, right? He's definitely <laughs> my most on the show and my first actual guest, episode three, which is good. Very close after episode eight. I want to thank both of you for having come and joined on this episode. Thanks, man. I'm 329, discussing your book and providing some concepts as well. Thank cool. you. That was fun. Thank you. Till cool. next time. Till next time. And we are out.